Welcome to episode 37 of the F1 show for the 2008 Italian Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lowe, and we've got lots to talk about from a historic race at Monza. Monza is a magical place that is Formula One's fastest track of the season. However, this weekend brought the great equalizer. Rain and lots of it slowed down the lap times, but despite the handicap, cars still went more than 210 miles an hour down the straight. This weekend, we look to see the championship tighten up as Raikkonen desperately needed to catch up Hamilton and claim victory. But what no one looked to see was Sebastian Vettel and Toro Rosso out-engineer and out-drive the field to take pole position at Monza. And to put a stamp on it, his teammate, Sebastian Bourdais, qualified fourth, just behind Heike Kovalainen and Mark Webber. And what absolutely no one even fathomed is for Sebastian Vettel to take off on a rain-soaked Sunday to put a 12-second gap on the McLaren driver driven by Heki Komalainen and win the Italian Grand Prix. Absolutely astonishing. For Vettel's effort, he moves to ninth in the Drivers' Championship and carries Toro Rosso from 8th to 6th in the Constructors' Championship, ahead of the senior Red Bull team. Sebastian Bourdais could not share in the joy, however, as his Ferrari lump died on the grid, forcing him to get pushed into the pits and lose a lap before being refired to life. The Frenchman went on to finish 18th. Heki Kovalainen did maintain position to finish second. Robert Kubica drove well and executed a good strategy to carry his BMW Sauber home third. Alonso put another solid drive to finish fourth. He was followed by the second BMW Sauber of Nick Heidfeld. Heidfeld, for his part, seems to be returning to form. Felipe Massa finished 6th, a huge disappointment from the Constructors' home race. Lewis Hamilton finished 7th after a disastrous qualifying effort. Kimi Raikkonen's qualifying was equally disastrous, and he could only muster ninth in the Ferrari. Sandwiched in between the superstars lie the 8th place finisher, Mark Webber, handing Red Bull, the senior team, one single point. Well, uh, I think... I have to apologize for that crazy race report. It's not the greatest one I've ever done, but a lot happened this weekend, Jim. Absolutely. I mean, right from, I guess we'll start with qualifying. Yes. Um, Q1 went, was fairly standard. Um, it was, there was light rain, um, not a huge amount of change in the, uh, the track over the course of the session that we could really tell. And it was the usual, usual six knocked out. You know, Rubens Barrichello, Nelson Piquet, Renault, uh, Kaz Nakajima in the Williams, Jensen Button in the Honda, and, uh, Adrian Sutil in the, uh, Force India. Um, so, Nothing too crazy in Q1, but Q2 um, and the second qualifying, second you know knockout where they eliminate uh, the, the next set of five drivers. Um, those who got in their laps early were really uh, rewarded for that because it looks like the track just kept getting wetter and wetter. And Lewis Hamilton went out early in the session, uh, did one lap on intermediates and came back in, deciding oh it was too wet for that. And uh, and Kimi Räikkönen didn't go out until later in the session, so. Um, Vettel actually set a, a, a time early in the session that's, that, that held, you know, that, that did really well um, and uh, ended up, you know, just going on to Q1. And uh, the guys that came out later and, and waited to the last minute um, were stuck because the track was just so wet they couldn't put down a good qualifying lap. So that kind of was their strategy of, of waiting till late in the session and saving the engines really backfired in this case. And uh, that's why we saw, I mean, we saw Kimi Räikkönen 14th and on the grid, Lewis Hamilton 15th, 
I mean, you know, bottom of Q2 because they just came out so late. Uh, and, and that was just a big disaster. And also, uh, Robert Kubica down there in, uh, in 11th and Nick Heidfeld in 10th. I mean, it was, uh, it was a big deal. I mean, Nick Heidfeld made it through to, uh, to Q3, but, um, just, I mean, disaster basically for Raikkonen and Hamilton to be back there. Although it works out to Hamilton's advantage that Raikkonen was also back there and couldn't take advantage of a big, a big jump there. Absolutely. It did not work out to Hamilton's advantage. However, that Massa, in fact, did make it through. But even then, in the second qualifying session, what we saw was Vettel on pole and Sebastian Bourdais comfortably into the third qualifying session. Uh, This team for the last couple of races has been getting better and better. Yeah, and they really just got some combination of the setup and the drivers and everything just came together. Um, and it, and you wonder if uh, maybe Ferrari had gambled more than you know, the weather reports looked like it was going to be dry on Sunday. So they figured they'd sacrifice a bit in the qualifying for a, for a dry setup, and then they just really shine during the race. Um, or you wonder kind of you know what the setups were. Um, the the advantage to Russo have, I guess, is that there's sort of very little to lose, and uh, they can they can take some risks that the big, that the bigger teams can't. Uh, but it, I mean, it's just well done, Vettel. I mean, that's, that's all I can really say is just uh, he did a great job to keep the car under him. Um, had a, had just a very solid drive in, in the you know all the qualifying sessions, and then of course on into the race as well. And uh, it, it really shows what the what the driver's capable of. Uh, you know, when when the rain you know takes away some of the different advantages the different cars have. However, it, you know, it must be said too. I think that I think part of it was Toro Rosso cl- calling the weather correctly. Yeah. You know, there was talks in the Ferrari team, at least, that they were thinking it might be dry tomorrow and on Saturday, during Saturday's qualifying. So I think there was also a little bit of strategy going into how the car was set up and everything else. And it must be said, Massa was not terribly competitive, and Raikkonen got very competitive at the very end when it was drying up, but we'll get that later. Um, but so here it is, race on Sunday. It's still raining and actually starts behind the safety car. Yeah, and this this is a little bit weird. I mean, it effectively makes it a rolling start instead of a uh, standing start, right? Uh, because they just did uh, lap under the safety car, and then uh, as they come around a second time, the uh, you know safety car pulls in and the guys can go. And I, it's, I, I I mean, to their credit, there were no crashes. It you know turn one, lap two, it would have been because lap one was safety car. Um, so it you know, it seems like they they sort of did avert the, any kind of potential for a big crash to happen there. And, and perhaps space them out just a little bit. Yeah, I think I think if, because they're going to have more speed after you know after a standing start than they would have, after a rolling start. Um, but everyone's speed is so much more consistent because they've been bunched up. So you don't get some cars that are accelerating really really well and some cars that are doing more poorly and you know somebody just running clear into the back of a stopped car and all that. So that's um, you know it did go off well and so I think uh, race control it, it's sort of a you know, lame start to the race to see a lap or two under the safety car just as a big parade going around. Sure. But there were no crashes um, in the first, you know, during those, you know, opening laps. I mean, there certainly could have been if they didn't have that. So I guess that was well called by uh, by race control. Um, but unfortunately, we did have a stall on the grid. I mean, Sebastian Bourdais. After um, qualifying fourth. Yeah, that, I mean, it's it's such a shame because, you know, obviously Vettel was doing well, so the, the car was set up. Um, you know, presumably they're both their cars were set up fairly, you know, similarly, and both did well. But uh, it was a mechanical problem. Um, you know, his car stopped on the grid before the formation lap, um, and then he, you know he had to he had to get get back around and get into the pits, and he was already down a lap and just never could. Uh, you know, he ended up 18th, just being sort of the last of the running cars. Yeah, I mean, I, he was over a lap down, probably close to two laps down before they finally got him running. 
So for him to finish 18th, it was really about all he could do. Yeah, well, he did actually have second fastest lap of the race. So he showed that he did have the pace, but everything kind of went wrong for him. And uh, he said, you know, he, it, uh, he tried to get first. He couldn't do it. it. You know, he couldn't get into neutral. And, and then it just, you know, so it was just a mechanical issue, whether it was the some electronics that got wet and got messed up or something that, that uh, the driver actually did wrong. Um, it, it really, it, it's really a shame, you know, because Vettel's obviously in the limelight, and that brings STR in the limelight, and Bourdais is just not a part of that because, uh, and because of a problem. And he deserved to be. He really did deserve to be. He this drove was well, not absolutely. Bourdais' performance at all. It was just just pure bad luck, which is just really a shame. You know, we, we kind of have a special place for Bourdais over here in the States because his tenure in the champ cars and his success and, you know, the guy that, can, that could uh, take down uh, Paul Tracy. So, you know, he – it was really a shame because he, he was doing not quite as well as Vettel but really doing a very solid job and, and, and doing well by his team. So I, I, think, that's, I think that's a shame. But we, we need to get to Vettel here. What an incredible, incredible drive on this guy's part. Yeah, it's a, and very important, more so in the rain than anywhere else than, than any other condition – but being out in front, you don't have the spray of the other cars blocking your visibility, so that helped them tremendously. But they're but the track's just as wet for you as it is for anyone else. Absolutely. So to be able to keep the car just on the road, he did have a couple of moments, you know, getting pretty sideways yep, and sure. having some issues, but just did a brilliant job keeping the car under him. Uh, the team, I have to say, did a did a great job. Uh, the pit stops all went well. The strategy went well. Oh, sure, and almost every driver at some point in time had moments on the track. I don't yeah. think there's anybody that didn't at least get sideways. Absolutely. You know, Hamilton straight lined a couple of chicanes. Raikkonen got sideways a couple of times. Alonso almost lost it. Piquet probably spun 50 times that we didn't see. <laughs> I mean, so uh, he he carried himself very well. This is this guy's 21 years old. He was in the front. It was soaking wet. At one point, he had Hamilton uh, pressuring him. He he was unflappable. It was it was absolutely incredible. Now Hamilton just ba- just barely caught him and then had to pit. So it's not like he held Hamilton off for lap after lap or something like that. But yeah. you know, he just did an incredible job. And yes, the weather and the circumstances of qualifying did help him out. But this is not. A slow car. Yeah, it's not that this was handed to him because of a lucky. I mean, this isn't like a Nelson PK podium, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> where it's just complete <laughs> luck. I mean, he definitely had to make the best of this pole position, and he, you know, could have lost and it. He all. had to make the pole position. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, to get himself on pole. So, you know, you wonder sort of what what this kid's future is going to be. He's got a contract for at least the next year with Red Bull, the, the senior team. The senior team, which is behind them in the constructors' points. Both cars finishing below him, obviously. Yeah, arguably a step sideways, if not a step down. You know, the Ferrari power in the uh, STR doing doing a you know clearly better job than the Renault power in the Red Bulls right now. Right, uh, they're essentially the same All chassis between equal, yeah. the between the Red Bull Renault and the STR Ferrari. It's essentially the exact same chassis. One built for the Ferrari, one built for the Renault. Yeah, and the Ferrari engine's just better. So you wonder if uh, if Vettel's you know trying to renegotiate that at this point. I mean, it, it is just one race, but it's a huge result. I mean, let's to, to step back from this a second. Um, this team has uh, started out as the minority team in what 1985. That's what um, they said. Yes, this is the first time this team, under any of its owners or names, um, has had a victory. Um, you know, this does make Vettel the youngest, uh, you know, youngest person to Beating win a Formula One race. Yeah, just just narrowly beating out Fernando Alonso from uh, a couple of years ago. So it is uh, a huge moment, and uh, it does sort of 
you know shake things up a little bit in terms of it puts puts him back on people's radars absolutely uh, as as just a quality driver because Vettel had some really dismal performances early on whether they were his fault or not you know just getting run into a little bit first of lap mostly of, bad luck I think what three out of the first four races he was out on lap one and didn't even have a chance to you know get a, yeah, get a full absolutely. lap around absolutely um, it's really a shame so to see him come back and uh, and have this victory I mean this puts you know consider even the Toyota team with all the all the resources and all the and the drivers and everything have have still not had a victory in F1 and they've been in wet races and dry engines. races and all kinds of different things you know but but why not I mean they're spending more on, on engines than Ferrari is I mean unless Ferrari's just yeah. got some magic that uh, no one else has but you know it, it's it's a remarkable achievement and uh, it's it's exciting to see this our third. Um, new race winner this year um, with Heike Kovalainen winning his first, Robert Kubica winning his first, and uh, now Sebastian Vettel. And turns out those three guys are the guys that made up the podiums. So yeah, that was, was kind of a neat moment for Escher. And what was well, one one last thing I want to mention before we move on yeah. is that Sebastian Vettel gets on the podium, and and uh, what do we hear but? The German anthem followed by the Italian anthem. Which sounds so <laughs> familiar from years past. <laughs> and I thought I would never want to hear those two combined again. I'd heard it so many times I was so sick of it. But I'll tell you, it sounded quite nice this time around. Obviously, Michael Schumacher and Ferrari would share those that set of anthems when they won, and they won quite often. So uh, that, that, was, that was ironic to me that that's what would play it. And maybe it was a little bit uh, prophetic in the sense that uh, – Shows what this German's future might be. Could could be, yeah, but uh, I don't I don't know how much we can look into the but anthems being played. I want to move on, and I want to talk about Hamilton and Raikkonen. Okay, Hamilton. I was really impressed with what he did. I mean, he qualified poorly. Oh, that was sure that you was were. that was kind of the timing, and uh, and you know, getting out late in the late in the session, and so that was maybe a strategic error by him or by the team. Okay, you know, you you. He yeah, starts where that's he starts. Mostly bad luck. And They're very used to coming out at the end of the session, which is usually the best time to go out. Yeah, and I guess you know whether STR called the weather better or whether Vettel just had the better setup or whatever. Obviously, they were able to make. And it again, work. STR is used to going out earlier and yeah. getting their laps in. Um, but Lewis Hamilton started fifteenth, um, but just stormed his way through the field. I mean, it wasn't all the passes at once. It was working hard, and and you know, but on almost every lap, he would make up a position, um, working his way up to second spot. You know, right behind Vettel before he had, he had to pit, um, and and past halfway in the race. I mean, it looked like it was going to be a one-stop strategy, and it would have been if it weren't for the for the changing weather conditions. So he had some Hamilton again had some just really really good passing maneuvers. Um, most times under braking, he'd be able to outbreak someone into one of the chicanes, and then um, you know just get get the power down really effectively. It looked like the McLaren was doing well over the bumps and uh, over the you know using the curbs, which you have to do at Monza to get a good fast lap time. And it looked like Hamilton was really just getting the most out of that car. He did have a few moments, but uh, was able to keep it under him and and move up through the field. And uh, it was it was unfortunate to see him have to make the second pit stop because if he'd been um, if he'd been able to keep it on a one stop strategy and uh, finish the race, he had enough fuel to do so. But he had to change to uh, the you know off the extreme wet tires. He had to go back to the intermediate tires just to be competitive at the end of the race. Um, but uh, I mean Hamilton. There's an article in, on Autosport says you know Hamilton says he could have won. It's just that uh, you know the way um, you know he just hoping to pit just once, but then uh, he you know he had to pit again to put on intermediates. Sure, um, it's just kind of the way the way the weather works so, out. And, and the, there were a lot of predictions of rain that turned out to be false. So it's you know I, you can't really necessarily put that up to a strategic error so much as you know the weather forecasting and the luck and the timing and the way all things worked out. But um, Hamilton did definitely move up through the field and made some good progress 
um, especially you know to to come home with some with some solid points after starting fifteenth. So let's contrast that with Raikkonen. And how Raikkonen do? How's your, how'd your boy end up? Raikkonen and Hamilton were in the same situation in qualifying, and as a result, Raikkonen ended up qualifying fourteenth, uh, which was quite disappointing. Here was Raikkonen's chance to actually take huge advantage of Hamilton's trouble and uh, go into Q3, but he, alas, had the same trouble in qualifying. And Raikkonen and Hamilton spent the first few laps kind of racing each other and moved up a spot or two, but then neither one of them could get by Giancarlo Fisichello for the longest time. Uh, and after, I think it was five or seven laps, or, uh, Raikkonen get, did get around Giancarlo Fisichello, and then Hamilton promptly got around Fisichella and got right around Raikkonen like he was standing still. Uh, it, it was uh, extremely, uh, frankly, humiliating to watch as a Ferrari, uh, Ferrari fan and a Raikkonen fan. And, uh, you know, Raikkonen continued to languish around for about two-thirds of the race. Uh, he was, you know, anywhere from 10th to 12th. He wasn't really making much progress, and the car didn't seem to be doing very well. Uh, you know, I think the Ferraris in general... Uh, do not do all that well. Uh, Massa certainly wasn't making any kind of huge grounds either, so I think it was partially Ferrari setup in the wet and also just the way the Ferrari chassis is in the wet just doesn't quite, you know, uh, lay itself, you know, to doing well in these type of events. However, once again, uh, about two-thirds in the race, it really did start drying up. Uh, Raikkonen did switch to intermediates, and then, I don't know, four or five laps after that second pit stop where he switched to intermediates, some some switch was flipped again, and Raikkonen started peeling off one fast lap after another, and indeed took the fastest lap of the race once again. On the very last lap, With yeah. a minute 28.047 seconds, he finished ninth, which isn't considering how much different the two races looked. He only finished his two spots down on Hamilton. Uh, certainly, Hamilton's strategy, had he not had to take the second pit stop, would have worked better for him. However, I you could argue that Ferrari was smarter about their strategy because of the weather and the dynamic changing conditions. So he had a lighter fuel load and was able to do a little bit better. But at the end of the day, he finished ninth. I think his championships hopes are pretty much over now. He still has 57 points compared to Hamilton's 78 now. He's 21 points back with four races to go. I think Ferrari would be stupid to do anything other than just put all their support behind Massa. <coughs> And that's that's the way it goes, and I, I hate to say it, but Raikkonen just this was his this was basically his last chance to do it, and he just didn't do it. Yeah, his chances were a bit tenuous after the last race, like we talked about, and uh, it's just it's it's too bad. But I mean, you just wonder what's going on there. I mean, Ferrari just signed him for the two years. Uh, he was fastest in Friday practice, um, you know, just early early on in Monza. You know, I was looking very strong and. I guess this can sort of go to show you how much the changing weather conditions and just sort of the timing of everything can can come into effect. I mean, it's not just having the best car, but it's having the best car at the right time and the right luck and everything else coming together. So it's 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 a bit weird, though. I mean, it's it's the same thing where you know Raikkonen has been known as a as a brilliant wet weather driver. I mean, you know, from Finland and has excellent car control, having driven in snow and rain since you know since he's since he's little and everything. And um, it's just it's it's not. You know, Vettel isn't hasn't been known as. I mean, he's, he's definitely done some good performances in the wet um, in the past, like especially uh, Fuji last year. Um, but it's like, you know, Vettel just came out and just dominated, and it's like um, to see Raikkonen have as poor of a race as he did. It's it it's strange still that he's that you know 
it's like what what's gone wrong there? I don't right, I don't right. know what to say. And what this also does is continue to tighten up the constructors championship. McLaren's only what five points behind Ferrari in yeah. terms of constructors points. Yep. You know they had Kovalainen scoring eight points for them compared to Massa's three. Yeah. And then you know, uh, you know Hamilton got two more points on top of that. So and ten points to si- ten points to three points. Another seven point difference. Uh, so uh, Ferrari is in jeopardy of losing both championships at this point because I'm losing faith in Raikkonen for this season. I have not lost faith in the Raikkonen period, but this season's looking pretty dire, and I still do not have faith for Massa. I, d- I just don't think he's a championship driver. I think he's a race winner, and uh, so I don't know. I, I would if Massa proves me wrong, great for him, but uh, it's it's going to be tough. Yeah, and speaking of the Constructors' Championship, too, I mean, BMW had a brilliant day with, um, you know, third and fifth for uh, Kubica and Heidfeld, respectively, which actually brings them up. I mean, they're that's, only... That's another 10 points for them as well. Yeah. So. so, I mean, that brings up... I mean, the BMW has been a solid third for a long time as sort of the best of the rest, and they're... And they're, they're still a very solid third. I mean, what are they, 50 points ahead of Toyota? I mean, they're, they're well ahead of, of the rest of the field, um, but, uh, I mean... BMW is now potentially a spoiler in the Manufacturers' Championship with just a bunch of solid results. Which brings up the Drivers' Championship once again. Uh, Robert Kubica surpassed Kimi Raikkonen in the Drivers' Championship. He has 58 points to uh, Raikkonen's 57. And for that matter, Heidfeld has 53. And uh, Raikkonen, if he's not in trouble, could be fifth in the championship behind both BMW soccer <coughs> drivers. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very tight in there. And, uh, I mean, so where it stands right now, Lewis Hamilton is one point above Massa. So, obviously, that that's going to change in the next race. And, uh, you know, whoever, whoever does well in the future going forward, you know. But, I mean... Kimi is 20 points behind Massa at this point. Yep, and, and I really 21 don't see, behind the leader. I mean, unless Lewis Hamilton can, you know, rear-end Felipe Massa and Robert Kubica in some amazing, you know, collision, and, and then Raikkonen goes on to win for, you know, Singapore and then China. Right. I really don't see, um, I really don't see this happening for Kimi. And yeah. uh, I guess that's that's the way it is, and it, it's, it's still kind of puzzling. I mean, I wonder if we'll right. find out after the season that there was some dynamic in the team that we didn't know about going oh, on or, entirely possible. or what. But it's it's really just kind of strange to see because he's obviously got the performance. He's fastest lap yeah. and he's done this for like a number of races where he's he's clearly got the skill to get the car around the track. Yeah. Oh, this is his ninth race where he's had the fastest lap of the race out of 14. Yeah. So this, this brings uh, two interesting points now. Uh, the first one is... Uh, gone from my head, so I won't say it. But the second one is that uh, Raikkonen, you know, has been rumored to be leaving and quitting. He doesn't like it, this and that. That has been quelled entirely. Ferrari, not only did he have a contract through 2009, Ferrari has extended it for another year for both his drivers, both Massa and Raikkonen are committed to the team through 2010 now. So I really hope that those rumors go away and uh, Raikkonen can focus on the job, but boy, I sure hope he focuses on the job. And the second point I wanted to make, which I now remembered, is that uh, this time last year, everyone had pretty much written off Raikkonen because he was in this position, but he was in this position with five races to go. Now he's in this position with four races to go, and I think it's going to be pretty difficult to to surmount, to, to over, overcome this. Yeah. I, although I wonder, as far as the, the Ferrari extending the contracts, I mean, we've seen contracts being broken and, and, you know, buyouts and various negotiations happen in the past. And I wonder how much of that is Ferrari trying to just 
give a, like a feel good press release to their you know all the not the fans necessarily but their different you know the different sponsors and and all all the different you know sort of power brokers in Formula One to keep everyone's spirits high and say hey everything's great we you know we still have full support of Kimi Raikkonen even though he's had some some you know poor performances and we've had some mechanical problems and we're sorting that out and hey we're you know everything's great we're steering the ship straight everything's everything's beautiful. And I wonder how you know how much of that sort of the PR end of it played into this announcement, saying that we've got the drivers for the next two years. And not to say that these contracts will definitely be broken or anything. I mean, I don't really see any reason why, why Massa would go away. But it seems like maybe Kimi, more so than the team, would sort of get fed up with um, you know racing in this way. And and it's I don't know what kind of message he's sending when he just sort of doesn't do well during the race, except just to sort of show that he can at the very end, saying, hey, by, by the way, well, but okay, I'm the but fastest guy out here. Let's not get too far here. I mean, it, it was drying conditions. It was When he was doing badly, it was pretty wet, and when he was doing better, it was drying. It could have been the setup of the car. It could just be the way Yeah, but nine out of the works. 14 races in the season, I mean... Well, sure, but... Uh, I'm not defending him for every race here. I'm defending him for this one. It, it, it's and of course, he has won races as well. I mean, let's not forget. Yeah, he well, he yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, I think we should we should for the moment take this to heart that Kimi plans on staying for two more years. I think after 2010, it gets very likely that he would consider retirement unless he starts winning one championship after another and he's having a good time. Which brings up an interesting point: Where is Alonso going to go? Because he's kind of screwed the pooch with McLaren, and yeah. there's no space for him in Ferrari. Where are you going to go, kid? Yeah, and is he the hot? I mean, I think he still is a hot property. I mean, Vettel, he's he's getting more out of that Renault than it deserves. Look what yeah. he's done. I think there's a. I think, I think the Red Bull chassis is probably about as good as the Renault chassis. And he's still outperforming the Red Bull in the Renault. Yeah. Compared to what Piquet's doing in the Renault. I mean, there's really no other top team for him to go to. I mean, BMW is consistent with their driver lineup. I don't see Fernando wanting to change to sort of that whole new car corporate culture and all that all over again. Yeah, that would be I could see, more similar to McLaren. Yeah, I could see going to Toyota for just gobs and gobs of money. Or Honda. Um, or Honda. But Honda's so bad. Well, again, we <laughs> maybe keep they'll be better. I mean, Ross they got Ross Braun. Braun maybe, that's yeah, the, maybe that's uh, the ticket. You know? I don't know. It's going to have Kurs. Maybe that's going to be the deal. I don't know. Honda, maybe a good hybrid system. Yeah. Uh, Alonso might have just, he might have uh, broken a bridge, you know, that he didn't want to break. Yeah, when he left McLaren. So that still remains to be seen. I mean, maybe he'll just stay with Renault and sort of keep having these occasional, you know, near podiums and and top ten results. And yeah, I don't, know I don't see Renault coming back to top form anytime soon. And yeah, if that makes him happy or not, that's there's just way too much competition there right now with yeah. from factories that yeah. are willing to put more money into it than Renault is. Yeah. So, so it's it's a good question, and I mean, I wonder if even a team like Toyota. With their unlimited budget, or not unlimited, but a relatively huge budget, right? Um, would would want to like chase after Vettel for next year after going to Red Bull? I mean, if if Vettel sort of all of a sudden you know really proven himself, and depending how he does in the season next year, um, he's got having this race win on his resume now. Um, you know, is a really compelling buy for uh, for his, you know in the driver market. Unless something major happens to Vettel, he's going to be in the top in a top team in the next couple of years. So there's, he's just way too good to be anywhere else. Yeah. He's going to be an He's going to be the next Michael Schumacher in Ferrari is my guess. I think he's a 2011 Ferrari driver. That's that's where I would place him. That would put him at 24 years old in a Ferrari German Ferrari. I think he could do it. I think he would have 
I think he's the closest Ferrari could get to having a Michael Schumacher again at this point. Yeah, although I wonder, I think BMW may may want to focus on him. I mean, keep in mind, he did, you know, have an outing with BMW previously. That's true. Um, and, and went out and scored points with them in this, you know, in his first race. Um, and BMW does have a focus on They want to have a German driver in the car. I mean, they've had Nick Heidfeld in there. Um, you know, even and even just looking back, um, you know, they've had some other German drivers and, and wanted, to, wanted to sort of keep that connection going. And I think, um, depending on how, if Heidfeld sort of fades away a little bit, or if Kubica even, you know, moves to a different team or, or whatever, um, I think that if there's an opening there, that BMW Sauber probably would be interested in Vettel. Um, and, you know, it's it, I think that could be a good fit. And he could be, you know, maybe not the next Michael Schumacher, but he could be, you know, his own... He could, Sebastian Vettel at BMW could become a really a really good success story. Sure, sure. Because um, I think with a driver that's that's that solid... Um, and BMW making the progress that they've been making, if they can keep working on things, get the aerodynamics sorted out better, and keep progressing um, to become one of the top teams, maybe Vettel is the driver that could bring BMW to the top level. And, and you know, I feel like that, you know, is a possibility and, and probably something that's on the minds of the, the BMW team. Well, I think the one thing that is for sure is that there's going to be a lot more attention paid to that driver, regardless of where he's starting and finishing the races over the next few races. People are going to pay close attention to him, including us, I have no doubt. So, yeah. uh, it, overall, though, it was just it was a fantastic race, and uh, having these races in the rain is, adds a very, very interesting dynamic to the whole thing. Yeah, I want a few other notes just um, on, on this race. Um, the only safety car period was the start, which I was kind of surprised about. I mean, we had a few local yellows, yep. um, cars spinning off track. Um, we had... Uh, just a, a collision late in the race. David Coulthard was able to get his crash in, Jeez. and uh, you, was With it Nakajima, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and uh, but nothing, no sort of major, no crashes uh, to speak of. Um, you know, no big, you know, engine failures. I mean, everything's usually take a little bit easier in the rain. They're not quite running up against the limiter quite all the time. But uh, you know, it was it was well done uh, as far as you know, just the, the safety crew. You know, so uh, Fisichella. Um, only did 11 laps, but everyone else, I mean, the whole rest of the field, 19 cars got to, uh, Adrian Tutil was the last guy running. Um, he was only, he was two laps down, but, um, I mean, surprisingly low attrition, be, you sure, know, considering, sure. you know, that the turn, the turn one is a, is a tight chicane, um, that it's, you know, but it's in the rain, that it's such low visibility and potentially such high speeds at Monza. Um, I was, I was pretty surprised that there weren't more incidents, and that obviously could have changed the whole outcome of the race in itself, you know, with uh, with if Hamilton had sort of pitted at the right time and then there was a safety car and he was in the right position to get around Vettel and walk oh, away with sure, it, or sure. if it had started raining and him and he didn't have to change tires. I mean, there's a whole bunch of ifs and, and buts to it, but what we ended up with was, was what we got, and, uh, you know, I don't think you can... I don't think you can argue uh, any foul play or any FIA trickery like we could have like we had from well, last week. They obviously had to be very, very certain that the call they made was a correct one this time around because there was so much scrutiny. Now, uh, moving on from this race, if we can, uh, I'd like to uh, get to some comments. We definitely did get some feedback. Yeah, it was on great, great to hear from you guys on this. But before we get to that. Uh, Jim and I forgot to mention last podcast that the American driver Phil Hill passed away a couple weeks back now. Uh, he was 81 years old, and Phil Hill raced in Formula 1 in the 60s. He was a Ferrari driver and the first American to win the Formula 1 World Championship in 1961. 
Uh, I think it's important to remember and respect the drivers of the past because they're the ones that inspired the drivers of the present and, uh, you know, have huge impacts on the sport. Phil Hill was the only American-born Drivers' World Champion that, uh, and uh, only one of two American Drivers' World Champions, the other one being Mario Andretti. And also, he won the F1 World Championship and Le Mans in the same year and was the only driver to do so, and then he won Le Mans again after that. Yeah. So, obviously, just a really talented driver, and I, we don't see that kind of thing as much anymore, like with the, you know more drivers of the Indy 500 coming from other series sure, and, and sure. things like that. And that I, I, I kind of miss. And sort of, I don't know if it's sort of the gentleman racer aspect of it or, or what, but sort it's of... the contracts just, these days. I mean, it, well, yeah, it's, if it's just kind of how, how marketing-driven everything has become, but... To see a driver, you know, be able to um, go out and, and do well in a, a bunch of different types of vehicles, we see that a little bit with like race of champions and some oh, of these sure, things. Sure. But um, I just think, I just think, you know, he's a consummate driver, and that he was never Phil Hill was never seriously injured in a race car um, to be, have been racing in those days with the cars as dangerous as they were, Absolutely. fatal in so many cases. The fact that he never uh, that he was never seriously injured in a race car is, is just amazing. I mean, it's a uh, it's you know, heads up driving and all it, the time. It's not that he was and some cautious backmarker. You know, backmarker, no, yeah, not he, at all. He, he was a world champion. So, and that's and that's exactly what my next point was going to be. Is it's not very often that we hear news about drivers from the fifties and sixties dying recently because of old age, because so many of them died in the race car or in some freak plane accident afterwards. It always seems to happen. That is a bit so, strange. So, uh, you know. That's part of what was incredible and unique about Phil Hill is that he did make it. And was still going to races, even um, early, earlier this season. I think just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if it was in Valencia or where it was, but um, he was still active and, and, you know, going to different races. Obviously not driving race cars anymore, but, you know, um, just, you know, great guy, great driver. And, uh, you know, we, we owe him a whole lot of respect, especially as Americans and being, uh, you know, American world champions. So, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Just going to show you that america still has it 47 years ago <laughs> for real <laughs> and uh, if only we can get uh yeah man another another american in there to continue on and hey uh, if, do if well, that'd be great I, I do have to say since we, if scott speed were in the car this year i think he would also <coughs> be competitive would he be doing as well as vettel maybe not but i think i think scott speed if we were in this car today would also be competitive in formula one i think equal to what bourdais was doing so yeah i, I just i just to quick throw that out Scott Speed is doing really well in ARCA, by the way, but that doesn't matter. Uh, that has very little impact on the rest of the world. So yeah. anyway, uh, uh, the controversy, if you did not tune into the podcast last week, uh, Hamilton won the Belgian Grand Prix uh, after a very late lap scrap with Kimi Raikkonen. Raikkonen eventually crashed the car, but right before Raikkonen crashed the car, they, uh, they were racing each other. Hamilton went to pass. He couldn't make the pass. Um, he shortcut a chicane. He did let Raikkonen back by, but only just, and then repassed Raikkonen right away. And as a result, he was penalized 25 seconds and ended up finishing third. And uh, that was a huge controversy as to whether that penalty was deserved or not. I personally felt it was. I seem to be in the minority, but uh, I, I'm standing by that. I, I don't think that Hamilton gave up the advantage, but... Uh, Anyway, we got some – there was – you know, in the entire F1 world, everyone was talking about it, including us and including you guys. We got some good comments from you, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I want to thank uh, Landon Lechner and uh, Jordan Brown. 
um, are a couple of guys that uh, sent us emails. And I think most of, and, and like I, I mentioned last week, I actually spent all last week in England, mostly for work. And uh, I think the whole country of England, <laughs> prejudiced as they may be, um, felt that it, you know Hamilton was in the right. He gave the position back. He slowed back down. And then this penalty was nonsense. But what was what was most interesting, and there, there's a lot more coverage of all this in the in the UK press, and it was cool to be able to sort of see that, especially when there's something as big and controversial as this race result was. Um, but that Max Mosley, um, who has also recently become, uh, he was uh, the, the charges as far as the whole Nazi orgy thing um, have not been dropped, but it's been it was deemed that yeah he had an orgy with prostitutes, but that it wasn't um, it wasn't Nazi themed. And so that's a personal problem for him to work out with his family and his wife and all that, but it doesn't affect his ability to govern world motorsport. So now that he's sort of is back and, you know, sort of vindicated that, that this was blown out of proportion and, and, you know, as far as a court of law is concerned, he, you know, wasn't really in the wrong as far as his governing ability. Anyway, he, you know, now is in a position he can comment on things again and basically came out to say that, you know, that this should not have been an issue. This should not have even been investigated, that it was kind of wrong for the stewards to start asking these questions of Ferrari and McLaren and, and wrong for McLaren to, to answer these questions um, because it, it was sort of a, a – it shouldn't have, shouldn't have been an issue. I mean the stewards' job at the end of the race when it, you know, in, in conditions like that where there's a wet track and a lot of guys on dry tires in a basic sense is to make sure people don't get killed. You know, make sure everyone gets everyone is safe, and that if there's a really unsafe situation, if they need a red flag to the race, or if they need to do a safety car or whatever, um, and not to be policing. Um, you know, they they need to enforce the rules, but not to be super scrutinizing these things. And that um, Max Mosley, of all people, said it was sort of the wrong thing to do to even go into this investigation. Okay, okay, okay. Yada yada yada. Mosley's still on crack. I still think he needs to get out. I don't care if he's legally been exonerated of his. Responsibility. I think the whole thing, it's just too much. He needs to get out of the sport. And I frankly don't care what he says. I mean, whether he's right or wrong, I don't know. Uh, and besides, I disagree with him. So, I mean, it, the race stewards, yeah, he, you know, Charlie Whiting's a safety steward. But, you know, the, the rules are the rules. And if they felt they broke the rules, it is their duty to say so and penalize. Now, do I wish there was more consistency in the penalties? Absolutely and uh, was there definitely some gray area with some other drivers and some other things went down? Absolutely. So I'm not claiming this is a perfect system here, but uh, I, I do think, I don't think that it was unjust for Charlie Whiting and them to even look at it in the first place. I, I, I just disagree with that. I'm just saying what Max Mosley said, man. I'm not <laughs> saying that's my opinion. And what does he know, right? But I, I, I'd really like to get to, uh, oh, shoot, what was her well, name? The, the email we got. Well, just to follow up real quick on that, um, it is still being disputed. Uh, supposedly, I don't know if it's next, it should be this coming yeah, week. Yeah, they said they're going to listen to McLaren's appeal um, before the end of September. Yeah, so um, I, thought there were, I think there was a date set already for a hearing on that. So hopefully by the time, um, by the Singapore race, we should know about this. Um, and just have it decided one way or the other, just so it's at least, you know, we can close the books on that and know what the championship standings are. Because I, I just really, you know, out of all of this, I think we can both agree we don't want this to drag out. Oh, certainly. Um, you know, any longer than it absolutely has to. So at least there'll be some resolution on that soon, and uh, and that should be good. Go Kimi. <laughs> oh boy. So anyway, uh, I, I also I want to uh, talk a little bit about how disgusted I am with all of you out there. Um, you've disappointed me greatly. Uh, we only have 117 fans 
I asked for two hundred. Oh, Robin! I, I asked for two hundred. Is that too you much? You can't to go yelling at our fans now. I don't. I don't approve. I don't approve of that. No, I'm. T- I'm telling you, they they let us down here. There's only 117. That's 83 of you are missing from this. That is shocking. And uh, furthermore, I want to add that none of you are as good as Landon, because he basically said that we saved his life um, because of the F1 show. And uh, none of you have, you know, said anything about uh, how we've affected your lives, and I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a darn shame. Yeah, and uh, Landon's point, just so uh, to clarify a little bit for other listeners, is that uh, you know, for a while we didn't have cable, and unfortunately, the way it is in the U.S. Um, and and probably in other parts of the world as well, but uh, certainly in the U.S. as a big market, um, you cannot get most of the F1 season unless you've got cable, and cable is not cheap, and that sucks. So. Uh, you know that uh, he was able to find the F1 show and uh, and listen to and keep up on the on the F1. Uh, All right, you're not uh, giving it its due on. justice, so I'm going to read a quote okay. from the magazine. But in that very dark period of my existence, I stumbled upon the F1 show, which kept me sane and more importantly up to date on the championship. We save lives. That's what I'm saying. I suppose you could say that. So you're welcome, Landon, is my point. Yes. And, and shame on you, everybody else. I don't want to give shame on these people, <laughs> but come on. I want, I want, I want, I want more, I want more praise. Point is, it's, uh, it's good to hear. <laughs> we just, we just go out there and say, that's a, yeah. Okay. Anyway. People if like you just me. have a round of applause for Robin, please. Woo! That would just be great. Um, and Robin's the only one clapping. Hi. Okay. Why, uh, if you want to send us, clapping? if you want to send us feedback, you can send us email to feedback at f1show.com. You can post a video on YouTube and send us a link. If uh, you want us to play your, your audio right on the show there, you can go to Skype and send us a voicemail. Our Skype username is just F1Show. Or one of the easiest ways to get in touch with us, just visit our website, F1Show.com, and click on the Facebook link. It'll take you right to the Facebook group. You can see who else is a fan of the show. And become a fan. Only 83 to go. And become a fan and, uh, you know, comment on whether our predictions are uh, are great or not. And, which uh, they're not. Which they're, because we didn't, we, I didn't we, say Vettel we, for we, anything we in this weekend. We picked Hamilton and Reichelton. Reichelton, yeah. Hamilton and Reichelton were the two people we picked, and they qualify worse off than they've ever qualified all year. I, we're, I yeah. think we're cursing these people. I'm going to say I'm gonna say Giancarlo Fisichella wins next, you know, in No Singapore. kidding. I'm going for Coulthard. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. Pole and race I win. mean, should we even do predictions? I don't know. I feel like we're screwing the whole championship up. Yeah. I mean, clearly, How about we're, this? clearly we're not brilliant. How about this? To be fair. This time around, I defer to you guys. You guys tell me who I should pick. So, yeah, we'll make a Facebook discussion there, and uh, whoever's closest wins a, a pat on the back from the F1 show crew, Well, if geographically possible. Yeah, and I also want to say, uh, honestly, thanks for the – Thanks for the comments on Facebook. Even though you guys all agreed with Jim on Facebook, I got we got one comment saying that hey, uh, you know, I think it, hey, you know what? I think it was Landon that agreed with me. Where was it? Yeah, mm, no, yes, and Landon also agrees with me. Uh, Landon is my favorite fan, without a doubt. Thank you, Landon. Uh, you you are my favorite fan, and you're absolutely right. Uh, Raikkonen was faster, and uh, Hamilton did not give up the full thing that's exactly what i'm saying so there you have it all right <laughs> the only other thing we want to mention is that uh if you haven't already you should definitely go out and buy a performance box because the f1 show is supported by performance box a gps lap timer performance meter and data logger perfect for any car not to use at track days 
autocrosses, or to simply see what your car can do. Shipping worldwide from VBOX USA. For more info and the online store, go to where, Jim? PerformanceDrift.com. That's right. All right. Two weeks from now, we have the first ever night race in Formula One history. Sweet. Brand new track in Singapore. It's a street circuit, but it's like kind of like Valencia where it's like a street circuit, but it's not it, – it's a – pretty well sorted there's actually some high-speed corners and it's a long circuit too i mean i've said there's yeah, a virtual drive around of valencia it. was long and that turned out to be a total dud so i'm i'm gonna hold i'm gonna be reserved about this one. Oh come on i'm excited about it. it's gonna be cool it's gonna be night we're gonna see all the cars under the I, lights and whatever think, i'm curious to see yeah, how that's I think all gonna the reflections look. of the cars off the lights alone you know the mclaren's gonna, gonna look the best oh it's you know, gonna you look know so the mclaren amazing. is just gonna look awesome oh yeah absolutely so it's gonna glean and all that kind of stuff yeah, so we're excited about that. Um, we've got a week off in the meantime, and um, I've been up for like 20 hours or something, so I need to go to bed at this point. <laughs> and uh, on that yeah, I note, still have to write essays. We uh, hope to see you or have you hear from us in two weeks after Singapore. Until then, I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. Go Kiwi!